Live. Live. Live from... This is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his head. Follow me. Follow me to freedom. Ready for this. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast. Which is New York Sports Talk from Long Suffering Fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. I got a good show for you this week. The NFL season is finally here. We are ready for kickoff game one on Thursday night. The Cowboys taking on Tampa Bay. Jets are in Carolina to start the season. Giants are hosting Denver. We're going to get ready for the NFL season. We're going to be joined by Shiel Kapadia of The Athletic. We're going to preview the NFL season, talk some Jets, talk some Giants, some big picture stuff with him in just a bit. Let's go to our NFL picks for week number one. Charlie Bordis is back here. Big Buccaneers fan. Talk about his time win the Super Bowl can the Bucks repeat talk some fun with him and make the picks as well make sure you're locking in the other show for six two-minute drill where the football can use them. I'm gonna weigh on this Deshaun Watson rumors flowing around here that have been stuff flowing around last week about is he gonna be traded are the Dolphins trading for him I'll give my thoughts on that as well but we'll get all started with our opening tip here you might take on the locals as we get ready for the NFL season to begin right after this Two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go. All right, let's talk opening tip here. Let's get ready for the NFL season. Talk about the Jets and the Giants. See, two very different seasons for the locals here. All the pressure in this town right now. Is on the Giants, who entered the year with this big pressure to say, we're going to win the NFC East. Because remember last year, the division stunk. They were right there at the end. They won their final game. They had to watch Sunday Night Football and watch the Eagles basically fall up a tent in the third quarter and miss the playoffs by one game while Washington went on and gave the Buccaneers some trouble in the first round. There are things to like here at the Giants. The defense is very good. They have a stacked secondary. They got a good linebacking core. Good pressure up front. There is one major problem with this group. And it's that offensive line. It did not look good in the preseason at all. Andrew Thomas was like a turnstile against the Patriots. He had bad games throughout. The rest of the group, there was not anything done to it to address the group in the offseason. Matt Pert starting at right tackle has not looked good. The interior of the Lions had some issues. They've had injuries. And... This offensive line has the potential to ruin their season. Trust me, I'm a Jet fan. I have seen offensive lines ruin seasons. Think about what happened to poor Sam Darnold in 2018 and 2019. The offensive line wrecked him. It ruined their season before it even started. You do not want to lose games because you cannot keep the quarterback upright. This is an important year for Daniel Jones. He's entering his last... Third year on the contract here. He has one year approved before they have to make a decision of, do we pick up the fifth-year option? Do we extend him long-term? Do you just let him play out the contract? There are a lot of this unknowns with him. So the Giants have done some things to help him. They brought in some weapons. They signed Kenny Galladay. They drafted Kadarius Tony. They signed Kyle Rudolph. Saquon Barkley should be back from the injury. So they have offensive weapons. The line is still a problem. But the Giants have to do what they can this year and are deciding, are we betting on Daniel Jones, our guy, or are we moving on? Remember, they have two first-rounders in the upcoming draft. Their own, they're the Bears pick, thanks to that trade Chicago made to go up and get Justin Fields. They will have the opportunity to move up for a quarterback if they want one. The division is also very winnable. The Washington football team, very good defense. They got a sturdy veteran quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick. They're not going to blow anybody away. Dallas has tons of an explosive offense, but their defense still very questionable. This team feels like it's a 9-8 and team. See if I'm wrong. The Eagles, who knows how this Jalen Hurts thing goes. And the fact they trade for Gardner Minshew doesn't inspire a ton of confidence that they love what they have in him. If the Giants cannot win this division, 
And their over-under total is seven, so Vegas does not clearly believe in them. Heads are going to roll. Dave Gellman is gone, in my opinion. They do not win this division. That leaves the question of, obviously, do you bring in a GM to work with Joe Judge or you move on from Joe Judge too? There are a lot of moving people pieces here in the next of the Giants, so this year is very important for them. The Jets, on the other hand, they have not been the playoffs in a decade, and everybody knows they're not going to this year. It would take the miracle of all miracles for the Jets to win enough games to get in the postseason. The rebuild's still going on, but for the Jets, you won two games last year. If you're winning six, you're winning seven, that's still a big leap forward from where you were. The key to this year is obviously the quarterback with Zach Wilson and how he's doing. He's shown some promising signs of preseason. He's got good connections to Corey Davis, Elijah Moore. But again, preseason. Let's see him take on these regular NFL defenses. The offensive line is improved. They're a great run blocking unit right now. We still have some questions here about whether they can pass protect. That'll be an issue for Wilson, who's going to have to deal with some pass rush pressure coming up. Plus, there's some good defense on the early schedule. The Patriots D is good. The Broncos defense is very good. There are more playmakers available, though, than he, his predecessor, Sam Darnold, ever had. The receiver room, I mean, you got Corey Davis bringing in the tight end. Seems to be a good connection there as a good chain-moving possession receiver over the middle. Elijah Moore tends to be an explosive player. Denzel Mims, second-year guy, could be a valuable, like, chain-moving guy. You have Keelan Cole, running from Jacksonville, could be an underrated weapon for them. You have Braxton Berrios and the mix here. You have a lot of weapons on the running back side. Got Tevin Coleman in here, veteran running back experience in the system. Michael Carr from UNC, everybody's raving about. Ty Johnson's flash in the preseason. There's a lot of things to like here on the Jet offense. The Jet defense, losing Carl Lawson, the Achilles in the preseason, kill that defense because you listen to the Jet reporters. Carl Lawson was the star training camp. He was doing everything. There's still a lot of talent in the front seven. The, the upside of the unit does take a significant hit, though, without Lawson. The secondary, obviously, is the major question there because the Jets, for some strange reason, decided, we don't need a veteran corner. We're going to roll with all these young kids and see who can stick, which, if there's ever a year to do it, I suppose it's this one because you can see who sinks and who swims. And remember, you win five to six games here and Wilson's running in that mix, that offensive rookie of the year award. I think that's your best case scenario here. I think if he shows you that he's sort of the guy, he has like those Justin Herbert type of flashes, that is the win for you. The idea here is you're competitive. You're in these games. You're teaching your team that, hey, we're not going to get blown out in the second quarter every week. We're going to be in every game. The quarterback develops. He has some highs and some lows. The highs start getting more consistent towards the end of the year. You have another offseason with a lot of cap room, multiple high draft picks. Keep improving that roster. The idea here should be you're setting yourself up so that in year two, you are at least pushing for the postseason. That's the goal here. It'll be fun to see how this year plays out for the Jets. I feel like it's going to be much less stressful than the giant year because the Jet fan has lower expectations. I know they're frustrated that they've not had the playoffs in a decade of the longest active drought in the league, but you have nowhere to go but up at this point. The Giants, this is a year where if things don't go right, and they don't win that division, and they don't make the playoffs, there's going to be a lot of turmoil, a lot of turnover. And there's no clear long-term quarterback answer yet. The Jets hope they have theirs, and they have time to find out. If the Giants realize this year that Daniel Jones is not their guy, that's going to be a big problem. We're going to find out what happens next. We'll get into more of the NFL with Shield Kapadia of The Athletic right after this call from last year's Super Bowl, courtesy of CBS's Jim Nance and Tony Romo. That's a second drive. Now it's tough to stop again. Brady, play action. Looking. Third option. End zone. Caught! Gronkowski again with the touchdown. Hold on. There's a flag. Watch Gronk. They're going to hold, right? This team holds a lot. But he's so big, he's just going to push off. And that's the guy in this game. That's troublesome if you're Kansas City and see that laser. All right, we are back here on the Just End the Suffering podcast, getting ready to talk the NFL season. Join me today, the guy who does the weekly power rankings for the NFL for the Athletic, Shiel Kapati is on the line today. Shiel, welcome. How are you? 
Doing well. How are you doing? Pretty good. I have to say, I'm getting ready for the season, and it feels exciting to have it back. I do feel, though, the big overhanging, like, sort of, like, damnably sore seems to be these COVID vaccine vaccinations here. Do you think we're going to have any major COVID issues in the NFL this season? Yeah, absolutely. I think we're already, uh, we're already, have seen those in the summer and during our training camp and the preseason and with the protocols that are uh, in place and the guidelines that are in place, you know, I, I think it will, will certainly be a major storyline uh, throughout the season and certainly could impact uh, teams, playoff races, standings, people, anything, you name it. So I think it's going to continue to be a big storyline. Yeah, I think it's something I hope we don't have to deal with too much. I feel like we're going to have an impact. I do want to talk more about the football that's on the field coming up soon here. I'm New York-based. I want to start with the Giants here. And coming into this year, there was a lot of hope for the Giants because they just missed the playoffs last year. But I don't know what to believe because the offensive line's in troublesome. You don't know about Daniel Jones. What do you think about the Giants this year? Yeah, I'm not bullish on the Giants this year. You know, I don't don't see them making any type of major leap you know they, they were sort of the winners of the offseason in a way with Kenny Galladay uh Adore Jackson bringing back Leonard Williams but if you look at it uh you know their offense they they look like they have on paper a bottom five offensive line they very well could have a bottom five play caller offensive coordinator in Jason Garrett and Daniel Jones has, has certainly flashed at times but he has more fumbles than any other player in the NFL since entering the league. And so you add all those things up, and I think that's a lot to overcome for them to become sort of, a, you know, even a top 10, top 15 type offense. I just don't see that happening. And defensively, you know, I, I thought uh, Patrick Graham certainly did a good job last year maximizing the talent at his disposal. I just don't think they have a lot of talent. You know, certainly Leonard Williams is a very good player. They don't have a lot of edge rush. Uh, we'll see if the Dory Jackson can stay healthy. And so uh, I think they will be a fine defense. You know, I would say maybe mediocre to slightly above average, but you add all those things up. And uh, I, I think they're uh, probably going to be a below 500 team. Yes. I, I think I agree with you there. I feel like they're not going to be the NFC East mix. So then who do you think is going to win that division between that, between Dallas and Washington? Who do you think is the favorite there? Yeah. You know, I said the division is wide open, you know, so I, sh- I should have probably said that as a caveat. So it's not like it would be the most shocking thing in the world if the Giants did win it, you know, because you might be able to win that division, lean towards the team that I think can be uh, most efficient offensively. It's certainly to me, that would be the Dallas Cowboys. If you look at what they did two years ago, offensively, the pieces are in place to kind of be that good if Dak Prescott is healthy. And of course, that's a huge if. We'll see how he looks with that shoulder injury. I have serious questions about their coaching staff, about Mike McCarthy uh, specifically, but I do think they're talented enough offensively to win the division. Yeah, for sure. I shift to the Jets for a minute, too, because I'm personally a Jet fan myself, and I'm under no big expectation that this could be a playoff team, but I do feel like there's a lot to like this year. I feel like the new coaching staff's done a good job. I like the signs of the quarterback. I think they're not going to win a lot of games. I think they're going to be more exciting, more competitive, and have some fun this year, more fun than I did watching the last couple of years. What do you think about the Jets? Yeah, I, I think you nailed it there, right? If, if you're a Jets fan, you're not expecting them to win the division or make the playoffs or anything like that. What you're looking for is reasons for hope, reasons to think, man, they might have nailed this with Zach Wilson, and, and you want to see those flashes. And so uh, I think that I think that's the right approach if you're a Jets fan. And I do think he can be a very exciting player. You know, I don't think he's scared. I, I think he's aggressive. I think he's going to uh, try to make difficult throws. And I think that's sort of what you want to see uh, from your rookie quarterback. And so I think there are going to be weeks where you look at it and are really excited about the guy. And listen, there are going to be other weeks where he goes through those growing pains. You know, I think he'll throw a lot of interceptions. I think he'll throw for a lot of yards. Uh, the key to me is how does Zach Wilson react when he's pressured because, uh, you know, that offensive line is certainly a big question mark. And you look at how he performed in college. He had a a great offensive line. You know, he did not have to perform under pressure all that much. So that's to me uh, kind of what you want to see is when he's pressured, how does he react? Does he still kind of hang in there, take those hits, deliver the football? And do they do, does their coaching staff do things uh, offensively to really help him with their scheme, whether that means screen passes, getting the ball out quickly, bootlegs, play action, to move the pocket. I think those things are going to be really important for the Jets. 
Yeah, for sure. Let's go around the league a little bit. We got to start in Kansas City with the Chiefs because obviously they went to the Super Bowl two years in a row, lost last year. It feels very weird to see a team that contends like that to basically run out five new offensive linemen. So, what do you think about that potentially impacting the Chiefs and their chance to get back to three straight Super Bowls? Yeah, you know, I think it probably was a little bit of an overreaction, but I think that's okay. You know, they looked at what happened to them in the Super Bowl and basically came to the conclusion that the only way uh, a team can beat us or the only thing that's going to stop us, uh, stop our offense specifically, is if we get crushed up front. And so they made that calculation. They went out and they made a bunch of big moves on the offensive line. You know, really, if you look at it, their offensive line was pretty good for most of last year. You know, we all remember the Super Bowl, but the Super Bowl, they're playing a bunch of backups. uh, You know, so it's not like their offensive line was a train wreck all season long. So I don't know necessarily that their offensive line is going to be like a, a lot better than it was last year, but I do think it's deeper. And, and so I think they've given themselves more options where if now if they suffer an injury, two injuries, three injuries, whatever, they can withstand that because they've, they've got more options uh, to plug up front. So uh, they're my pick, you know, uh, I, I didn't go out on a limb with my Super Bowl pick. I do think they're, you know, they're my pick. Uh, this year because I think their calculation was probably correct that as long as um, they're fine uh, with that offensive line, that Patrick Mahomes is going to be pretty much uh, unstoppable. And so, you listen, they're going to be in the mix probably every year. We could do this this interview for the next 10, uh, 10 seasons before the season, and they would probably be in that mix. But uh, I, I think they're going to win probably 13 games and uh, and certainly be in that Super Bowl mix. Yeah, certainly a reasonable expectation here. But for the sake of variety here, I want to throw the couple of teams out here. Buffalo, Baltimore, and Cleveland. Those will be the top three challengers here to Kansas City. Like, which one I think could be the most problematic for the Chiefs? I think it would be Buffalo because I think when you play the, uh, when you play the Chiefs, you know, you're going to need to score on almost uh, every possession. You know, so you're going to need to be able to keep up with them. I don't, I don't buy the idea that you can kind of – you know, run the ball and, and chew clock and, and try to win that way. I mean, I don't think that's a way to beat the Chiefs. I think the way to beat them is to be aggressive and say, uh, we're going to score. We're going to score on your defense, which is not great. And, you know, hopefully we can get a, just a couple key plays defensively, you know, whether that's a sack, whether that's a fluky turnover, um, you know, big third down stop. Uh, that, to me, is the way to beat the Chiefs. And so I think the Bills, out of those teams you mentioned, have the firepower on offense if they are healthy to be able to put up, you know, 30-plus points uh, against that Chiefs team. And so they would be the uh, the pick. But I think you probably identified the three teams that would be uh, most competitive against them. Yeah, I think, I think so, too. I want to dive into Cleveland for a minute, too, because for the first time in a long time, the Browns really have expectations coming off a winning year. I mean, they were a, couple, a stop away potentially beating the Chiefs in the second round last year, and Patrick Mahomes gets hurt. They, they have not really been in a spot before where they all of a sudden have all this pressure of, oh, they can win the division. They might go to the Super Bowl like and actually have the potential to actually do it. Do you think this is a chance where they do take a step forward? This could be a spot where they might take a step back where they go two steps forward next year. Uh, I, I think they're going to be a very good team. I think they're certainly going to be a, uh, a, a playoff team. Now, whether that means losing in the wild card round or advancing to the NFC championship game, I, I mean, it, it could go either way there, but I think they're a very stable organization, a very competent organization uh, right now. You know, I think they know what they're doing with uh, the coach, Kevin Stefanski, and the GM, Andrew Barry, and the roster is loaded. I mean, you look at it from top to bottom. Like, if you were to remove the quarterback from every team and just say, all right, you know, from, from 2 to 53 on the roster, who has the best roster in the NFL? That Browns roster is a top five, uh, a top five roster, in my opinion. So they're strong. They're deep. I thought they had a good offseason addressing what they needed to do defensively. And uh, I think they're going to probably win that division. And if not, certainly uh, be a wild card team. All right, let's go to the NFC for a minute. So I go to Tampa Bay because this is what they're trying to do is basically really unprecedented in this era where they are basically running back every single person who was a key player on that Super Bowl team last year. They have all their starters, all their key reserves, all the coaches are back. So I know there's been this mentality in sports of, oh, like, you want to bring in some fresh blood to try and keep the mix fresh and keep it from getting stale. So do you, what do you think of Tampa, what Tampa's trying to do here, the chance to actually repeat? Yeah, it was stunning what they were able to do with specifically with their key free agents, Chris Godwin, uh, Levante David, and Shaq Barrett. You know, I did not think going into the offseason 
that they were going to be able to bring back all three of those players, but, but they were. You know, they had 31 players who played at least 200 snaps last year, and all 31 of those players are back on the roster. So like you said, this really is unprecedented. You throw in that they've got the, the same play callers on offense and defense with Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles along with the same head coach in Bruce Arians, and they are well-positioned to repeat. Now, it's not easy. Things have to go their way. You know, they, had, they were the healthiest team in the NFL last year. That's unlikely to happen again, so your depth is going to get tested a little bit. But uh, certainly it's a very strong roster, and if you look back and really evaluate what happened last year, you know, it's not like that was a team that was a juggernaut all season long. You know, they did not really find themselves, I would say, until the second half of last season, maybe even later than that. So now if that carries over this season, uh, I, I think they're going to be very strong once again and certainly in the mix to uh, to reach the Super Bowl in the NFC. Okay, let's go to Green Bay for a minute. They're one of the most fascinating teams in the league because of the whole situation with Aaron Rodgers unfolding, how this might be his last year in Green Bay. They come up just short of the Super Bowl twice in the last two years. What do you think about Green Bay? Yeah, Green Bay is my pick to make the Super Bowl from the NFC. Now, uh, I am concerned a little bit about their offensive line. You know, their left tackle, David Bakhtiari, is going to miss the first six weeks of the season as he recovers from an ACL injury. They had an all-pro center, Corey Lindsley, leave in free agency to sign with the Chargers. So that's my one concern. I, I think if we're looking at this thing in three months and the Packers aren't having the season that uh, many, including myself, expect them to, the reason is going to be because they're not as strong on that offensive line. But I just look at a team that's gone 26-6 and in the regular season over the last two years. And they bring back the quarterback, obviously, and Aaron Rodgers, the play caller in Matt LaFleur. And defensively, they made a change at defensive coordinator. So I actually think there's some upside for that defense to be better because I do think they have some talent on that side of the ball that has not been maximized. So uh, certainly it was a dramatic offseason. You know, there, there's no doubt about it. And maybe that will play a role. But uh, I look at it, and, and Aaron Rodgers' issues were not with the coaching staff. They were not with his teammates. And so, uh, you know, I think he's going to come out and perform at a high level once again. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out there. And this question is very simple, but it's very complicated as well because of the division. Who wins the NFC West? I've got the Rams in the NFC West. I've actually got all four teams finishing above 500. I've got three of them making the playoffs, but I've got the Rams uh, in that in that top spot as a 12-win as a team. You know, I usually don't like to be on the trendy team, on the team that sort of had the big offseason that everyone's talking about. I think that usually can be a little bit risky, but uh, I just look at it and it makes sense to me. You know, they were able to make the playoffs three out of four years with Jared Goff as their quarterback, and I just think Matthew Stafford is going to be a significant upgrade. He's got a chance to kind of reshape his legacy there in this final part of his career with Sean McVay, and I think that offense is going to be really good. And defensively, you know, it's a top-heavy roster. Uh, two guys there, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, were arguably, you know, what, two of the top three four defensive players in the entire NFL. So as long as those two guys are healthy, uh, I think that defense is going to be fine. That's interesting. You know, a couple of quick pairs I want to get your takes on here. One rookie quarterback class, obviously Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, and Mac Jones are starting from day one. You figure Justin Fields gets in there pretty early for the Bears. Who knows about Trey Lance? Like, which of these five do you think is going to have the best rookie year? The best rookie year? You know, I actually think when all is said and done, that it could be Trey Lance could be the guy that we're talking about. And I know that probably sounds crazy to say, given he's not going to, you know, we don't think he's going to start the season, begin the season as the starter. But, uh, you know, I think even if he gets eased in, if he takes over at some point, he's the guy in the best position to succeed because he's got the, uh, a very good play caller, obviously, and Kyle Shanahan. And it's so unusual for a uh, first-round pick, a rookie quarterback, to go into a situation that's as good as the one he's going to go into, you know, because they traded up. So he's got George Kittle, Devo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. He should have a solid uh, offensive line. Like I said, he should have a good play caller. So uh, I think he's going to be able to do a lot with his legs. You know, he doesn't need to come in and complete 70% of his passes. He, he can sort of be a mediocre passer. But, man, he, he really has upside uh, with his legs as part of that run game with Kyle Shanahan scheming things up. So, um, you know, I think when all is said and done this year, 
he could be the guy we're talking about when we look at this quarterback class. That's certainly interesting. And obviously, we have every year, there's always some big ter- dramatic turnover where you have some team that comes out of nowhere, makes a big run to the playoffs, and some team that you thought was going to be good and ends up falling flat in their faces. So do you have like one pick for each of those categories? Yeah, you know, the team that, uh, you know, I, I think could, could really uh, struggle this year, there are a couple, but the one I'll give you is the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, I, I think that uh, you look at what they did last year, they start out 11-0, and and then they fall apart down the stretch. I just don't feel like they solved the issues that plagued them uh, during those struggles last the end of last year. You know, their offensive line is different. I don't know if it's better, and I think it might, it might not be uh, very good at all. They use a first-round pick on a running back uh, defensively uh, at cornerback. They're starting 32-year-old Joe Hayden and then a guy named James Pierre who has 27 career defensive snaps, I believe. So, I, you know, they still got talent on defense, but I think they're probably going to take a little bit of a step back there. And I think their offense is probably going to look a lot similar uh, to what it looked like last year. So I hate betting against Mike Tomlin. I mean, they have not had a losing record in 14 seasons since he's been the head coach. So uh, it does feel like going out on a limb, but I've got them finishing below 500 and uh, missing out on the playoffs. And then the other question there, uh, I'm bullish on the Los Angeles Chargers. I know this is sort of an annual tradition that people are high on them uh, going into the year and then things go poorly. But uh, I just really believe in Justin Herbert and what I saw from him Last year, I believe that the coaching is going to be a lot better than it was last year when they were kind of just giving away games with terrible uh, game management. Their special teams was the worst in the NFL last year. They were decimated by injuries. Their offensive line was a disaster, and I feel like they've addressed a lot of those things uh, this offseason. So I've got the Chargers winning 11 games and making the playoffs. It's a really interesting pick here. And obviously you mentioned throughout the interview here that you had the Chiefs take on the Packers as your bowl. Like, who do you have winning that matchup if it ends up happening? I've got the Chiefs. Yeah, I went on record. And uh, again, I don't, I don't usually like going with the, uh, with the chalk pick there and just going with the, uh, with the favorite. But, uh, you know, I decided not to overthink it here and just, uh, and just go with the team that I thought was going to win. So uh, I think they're well positioned. We know they're going to be in the mix. Uh, we know they're going to, as long as Patrick Mahomes is healthy, they're going to be one of the last uh, four teams standing, and I've got them winning the title. All right, there you have it. NFL preview here with Shield Capati of The Athletic. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, how can people find social media with your NFL power rankings for The Athletic? Uh, I've actually, you know what? We're, we're doing a little uh, change-up, so I will not be doing the power rankings uh, this year. I'm actually going to be doing a different column that will, uh, will be on Tuesday morning. Uh, at The Athletic, which people can check out there. And if you're looking for preview material, you can uh, check out my 197-page guide, which comes with a subscription to The Athletic. If you go to theathletic.com slash NFL Playbook, you can can find it there. You can subscribe there. Now there's a 50% off deal, so you get the full subscription to The Athletic, and you get the entire uh, season preview guide, which covers a lot of the things we talked about here and uh, also has a chapter dedicated to each team. Yeah, I've been lurking my way through that right now. I'm an athletic subscriber. I'm trying to get it done for opening day. So I hopefully I've got about a week left. I think I can finish it, Shield. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. You got it. Take care. All right, there you have it. That was Shield Kapadia of The Athletic talking NFL football. A lot of fun here conversation. We're getting ready for the start of the season. We're going to do our NFL picks for week number one with Charlie Borges, Tim Bay Buccaneer fan, right after this. Show me the money. All right, we are back here. Show me the money time. NFL picks for week number one of 18. We have an extra week of the podcast here. We are diving right in, getting ready to give you your picks for week one. Join me today. The guy who I talked to last in the January during the wildcard plus team ends up winning the Super Bowl. Charlie Bars is back here. Charlie, how are you? Good, Mike. Thank you for having me. The uh, it's been a long time. I have I have to it's ask. It has been, but has the halo worn off yet for the Super Bowl win? It's, you and me are Mets fans, so we don't know how to process happiness when it comes to sports. <laughs> so I don't think it's really processed still. Even it's it's the beginning of a new season. Um, 
that the team that I've rooted for my entire my entire life has won the championship. So now I'm just kind of like, oh yeah, we won. That's a strange feeling. We won. Yeah. How do I feel? What do I do with my hands? It's kind of one of those things. Yeah, I mean, I've had Patriot fans on, but not the year they won. So like, you're the first person I've had on, like right after the team won the championship. So. I'll take I'll take the honors. Yeah, and take me back to that night when the game's on. So, like, what was that experience like? Because that game was like over pretty early. Because you saw that yeah. the Chiefs had no chance to block the Bucks front. So I was watching it, and I believe it was right at the five minute mark left in the fourth quarter is when I started to get the congrats. Hey. We, I know that you've been a fan of this team for so long. Congratulations. Your team won the championship. And I remember my friend calling me, telling the saying congratulations. And I hung up on him <laughs> because I did not trust anything that was going to happen. I did not care if there was one second left. If Patrick Mahomes had the ball, I don't, I knew that the entire night the Buccaneers defense was stellar. It, they, he, they stopped him. Like he did nothing, which is unheard of. And the reason why it was unheard of is the, the reason why I'm like, it, unless that hero, the, the clock says zero, zero, zero. Okay, now we're good. Yeah. So as soon as the clock hits zero, I responded to everybody saying thank you. Yeah, you're like me. You wait for the confetti to fall before you start celebrating. Yep. As soon as the confetti falls before the celebration starts, it downhill real quick. I'm very superstitious when it comes to my teams, and I shouldn't be, but I am. Oh, I totally get that, man. And I have to say also, like, what the Bucks are doing this year, I feel like it's unprecedented because th- I was talking about it before with Shilkapati Athletic, is, like, they're running it back, literally. They bring back, I see everybody who played a key role on the team, all the coordinators are back. Like, this is complete continuity. So I think this is a very, very interesting thing. And what do you think about this? It kind of leaves me speechless because it's never been done before. Yeah. Like in my entire lifetime, in our entire lifetime, it's never been done before. Like yeah. some teams have had a majority, but this is the first time where it's literally been everyone down. I think the, the one person that I can think of off the top of my head that's not back is Joe Haig. Yeah. And he was an offensive lineman. Now he's with the Steelers. If you can name one guy that was on the Super Bowl winning team that's no longer there, that's incredible and you kind of set these unrealistic expectations of well if they had everybody last year they should win it again this year that's not the case yeah this is the first time where we have 18 weeks of football so it's now 17 games per team instead of 16 so will that affect tom brady and his elder statesman status i don't know but once again you put an obstacle in tom brady's way Time and time again, he's just, all right, what's next? Yeah. So it's it's going to be interesting. It definitely will be because it's always one thing you talk about when you have the team that wins the championship. They're like, where do you get that hunger back to, like, go do it again? Because going from training camp all the way to that Super Bowl again, and it just feels like such a long journey. And it always seems to lie in thought that I've seen in potential sports. Like, oh, bring in somebody who hasn't won before, whether it's, like, a big-time player like a coach, something like that, who can win. But like this, they're not going to have any of that. It's interesting to see like if they can maintain that same intensity now that they've all got the ring. It's like nobody who really hasn't got one besides like their rookies. Yeah, I'm interested to see what uh, Joe Tryon, their their first round pick is going to do. I believe he added an extra name to his last name. Yeah. So it's, I, for, I forgive me, I forget what he added it to. It's no longer Joe Tryon. Um, but I'm really excited to see what he can do and if you had a defense that stopped Patrick Mahomes or limited the almighty Kansas City Chiefs offense to nine points in the Super Bowl and the only thing you do do to that defense is add talent there's no telling what that defense can do yeah I looked it up is Joe Tryon Shoyinka that's that's his new name thank you thank you I knew he added another name and I could not it's 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 fairly new so please forgive me. It is fairly new. And they have the, we are recording one week prior to the season opener here on next Thursday night. They'll be raising the banner in Tampa against the Dallas Cowboys. A matchup I saw coming because get America's team in there for the TV rating. So 
What do you think is the key for the Buccaneers in this game to start the title defense with the victory? Honestly, their their preseason wasn't good. Uh, I from what it's it's hard for me to watch the Buccaneers games because I live in New Jersey and all the games are broadcasted down in Florida. Um, so the only thing I can do is re-watch the the highlight, like there's very small highlights. And for the Buccaneers, I think the key is getting off on the right foot this year because last year they started off a little rocky against the Saints in the first week and they were destroyed in New Orleans. They can't let that happen again. They need to start off on the right foot. They need to start off exactly where they left off. Stellar defense and Tom Brady knowing exactly what they need to do and heroes coming from unexpected places. So the key is consistency. And the only way to get consistent is to start. So what better way to start than week one? Yeah, I think my personal key to this game is is just for your front four again to get after Dak Prescott. Because considering he's barely had a, anything going on in the preseason because of the shoulder injury. It, don't make he's it be easy for him. Playing? As of right now, as of record date, it sounds like he's trending towards playing. But, like, the way I look at it is, like, okay. if he – you can't give him a clean pocket. got to make him work a little bit for it. So, here's the thing. Dak Prescott barely did anything in the preseason, as yeah. you said before. Zeke, I know he wants to turn over a new leaf and get back to who he used to be. And Dak is coming back from that horrific injury. And – I think the only person that I've seen come back from an injury like that would probably be Alex Smith Yeah, at the quarterback position anyway. Like Tom Brady, he tore his ACL. People come back from torn ACLs all the time. But for Dak to miss so much football for the last year, year and a half, and have his first in-game action be against the defending Super Bowl champions, that is a – he'll probably be pumped because he's back in the, on the field and he's playing the defending Super Bowl champions, but – Devin White, I think he's going to be too quick for him. And if they pressure Dak and they keep blitzing and blitzing and blitzing, it's going to be a long night for long night for Dak. Oh, absolutely. And we'll get to now the week one picks here. And the one thing you and I were talking about is off the air. That was interesting here is that the lines are very, very tight this year because they did a good job yeah. sort of matching up a lot of these like bad teams against bad teams, good teams against good teams good teams going to bad teams. It's not like one automatically, oh, like this team is favored by 14 points. And I think the biggest line on the board was what, like eight and a half, nine, something like that? I think I'm looking at the lines now. The biggest one that I've seen as of right now, it's actually seven and a half with the Bucks and Cowboys and seven and a half with the Lions and 49ers. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it. When you ask me for the picks, I'm like, it should be easier to just pick the money line. Yeah, you're like, no, well, let's do this. I'm like, it's gonna be a little bit more difficult, but yeah, let's do it. Yeah, it's oh. more, it's more difficult. We're trying, yeah. we're trying to, you know, challenge ourselves here on this podcast. It's a little bit, it's a little bit. Yeah, it's a little bit because the money line, we could, we could do money lines all day because like it's literally just like you know here, look for value, who thinks win the game. Here we we got like tight point margins to navigate this week. See, when I bet, I always do the same same game parlays. Oh yeah, because because I'm not somebody that'll bet 10, 15 or more dollars a game, I'll put $1 down and pick eight different things to happen. And the payout will be like 20 grand. Yeah. I'm that kind of guy. Cause it, one day it'll hit. And yeah. at the end of the day, I'm only wait. It's a, it's a dollar. Yeah. It's, it's a candy bar. Yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather try to get more money than back on more weight that I gained in the pandemic. So. Well, there you go. That's a good way to look at it. <laughs> All right, so to reset here, we're going to do the picks every week here. Me and the guest this week, it's Charlie. It'll be somebody else next week. I'll reveal who that is at the end of the, end of the segment here. But we're going to do three picks based on the lines. These are the, fan, these are the FanDuel Sportsbook lines. They are current as of podcast recording time. So you're me and Charlie, site number. And then three days after the podcast release, the number has changed. Don't, don't add us on Twitter here. We have no control <laughs> over that. I just want to set that up before the season starts here so people get, yep. get my mentions. All right. Hey. There's always what I learned when I first started the whole broadcasting thing is they don't record the same day that it's released or yeah. rarely happens, yeah. but it does happen. Yeah. But as soon as you done, as soon as you're done hitting record, whatever you just did is out of date yeah. immediately. As soon as you hit stop recording. Yep. So 
Hey, gotta gotta live and learn with the punches, man. Yeah, it's a window in time here, so it's giving this to the audience to give you the the context when these picks are made. So I don't see anything crazy happening, barring like a COVID positive that could throw a number out of whack. If it does, I will up I'll address it next week on the pod. But here we are. We're gonna start our picks here, going three picks every week. Charlie, as the guest, you may go first here. Where are you going with your first pick of the week? I am going to pick the New England Patriots, giving two and a half to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Mac Jones, he's he's Tom Brady 2.0. It's written in the stars. It's written in Bill Belichick's deal with the devil. He has his next Tom Brady, and I believe this is the start. This is this is game number one. This is where Bill Belichick retakes over the entire league instead of having you know Cam Newton, who was kind of subpar. Now he has his guy. So I'm going to go with New England giving the Dolphins two and a half at home. Yeah, that's a fascinating game. It's what I stayed away from is because those two teams are going to be, somebody's going to be the second place team in the AFC. Somebody's going to be terrible. I know my team's going to be last in the AFC, so I'm going to acknowledge that off of hand, but that's what I'm staying far away from. <laughs> that's fair. All right, pick number two. Where are you going? I am going to go with the Browns getting six and a half at Kansas City. I believe the Browns are going to take a massive step this season. And what better way to start than by smacking the Kansas City Chiefs right in the mouth? Um, Baker Mayfield, I expect a lot more out of. I believe Odell Beckham Jr. is back. Yeah. So now a healthy OBJ and a healthy uh, Jarvis Landry, the one-two punch, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb. I I, got to give it to the Browns. They're going to be a team to be reckoned with this year. And I believe they also added Jadavian Clowney to that defense too. Yep. So... It'd never count him out. I know he hasn't had the career he's wanted to have, but he's still one heck of a ball player. So I'm taking Kansas City, or not Kansas City, uh, taking the Browns to beat Kansas City in Kansas City, making a statement early. Getting the points here is very helpful too, because this is the right time to catch them because they have the rebuild offensive line with five new starters, and the Browns have a pretty good front four, so they can give them some headaches here. Yeah, I'm. I'm expecting the Chiefs to kind of have a little bit of a down year and when i say a down year i mean 12 and 5 13 and four four now yeah. uh, you have to add an extra number which yeah. is stupid it hurts my yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, hurts, it hurts my brain so for a down year for them of 13 and 4 12 and 5 14 and 3 that's still not a, a down year by most standards but for the chiefs it's it would be considered a down year all right that's pick number two pick number three where are you going to wrap up your week to wrap up the week, I am going to go with the Arizona Cardinals getting three against the Tennessee Titans. I just have a gut feeling about the Cardinals this year. Uh, Tyler Murray, he's now in the third year, his third year in the league. He's got D-Hop. He doesn't have Larry Fitzgerald anymore, even though Fitz wasn't as big of a force as he normally was. I expect things to come out of Arizona this year, especially with J.J. Watt now on the defense. I think a lot of people saw him in Houston and thought that he's not the J.J. JJ Watt of old. He's not, but he's still J.J. Watt. Yeah. So he's still going to take that defense to another level, and I think the Cardinals are going to make some uh, make some noise this year. So I'm going to take uh, Arizona getting three at Tennessee. And that's, I think, one of the most underrated games of week one here. That game is fascinating because those two teams have a lot of offensive firepower, not a lot of defensive ability. Both teams that could make some noise, it could fall flat in their face. So you can see who gets off to the hot start there. Yeah, I I never count out a team that's coached by Mike Rabel, but at this, at this time I'll make an exception because I think, Arizona, like I said, Arizona is going to make a big step this year. And what better way to start than a week one? All right, those are Charlie's picks on the board. I'm up now. Pick number one. I'm going to start off here and take Joe D- Joe D's team, taking the Green Bay Packers, laying four and a half against the Saints in Jacksonville. I get the situation is tough for the Saints with the hurricane at them. Move that game out of New Orleans. I know they said, oh, we did all the research. We might as well make it hard for the Packers. If it's against New Orleans, I love the Packers because the Saints, in my opinion, are taking a big step backwards. No Michael Thomas. The offensive capability is down. It's a very top-heavy roster. And this Packers team has got a mission this year. Four and a half is not a big number. I think they win this game by at least a touchdown. I think Aaron Rodgers will not make a statement here and say, hey, last dance, here we go. I'm going to take the Packers, laying the four and a half against the Saints. Pick one. I don't agree with that. I would go with the Saints. You know, yeah. Jameis Winston, as a Buccaneers fan, I've seen him. And in his last year, he went 30 for 30. 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. But yeah. that's when he couldn't see. 
he finally had a surgery. He got Lasix, and he did great last year when he was the third string in New Orleans. But now that he's a starter and he has Alvin Kamara, I think that the drama of the Packers offseason is kind of going to tr- start to trickle in in this year. And it's going to force the Packers' hand and make them choose sooner than they would like to think between Aaron Rodgers and uh, uh, Jordan Love, right? Yeah. That's his name. Yep. Jordan Love. So I would actually, I'd pick the Saints, but hey, sorry, Joe. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see who Joe likes better after this week, but going <laughs> going out to pick number two, and I'm going to, I love finding a home dog in week one that's capable here, and I think I like getting value with the Washington football team, getting a point at home against the Chargers, and I know everyone wants to anoint the Chargers. Oh, they're this great young team. The quarterback is great. The coach is great. I have all these new changes. Since when do we count on the Los Angeles Chargers to fly across the country, play 1 o'clock body time, 10 a.m. body time, 1 o'clock Eastern time, against a team with a capable defensive front and a capable quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and make some plays? To me, that is just screaming for an upset. I'm, only get, I'm getting a point. I just need them to win outright. I think Washington's going to win this game outright. So give me the football team getting a point home against the Chargers. Yo, I'm, I'm going to bring it back to me as a Bucks fan, watching that wild card game between Tampa Bay and Washington, I felt nervous the entire game because Washington was severely underrated. Even though they had a losing record, they they went toe to toe with the eventual champions. And I will never, under any circumstances, under this sun and on this green planet, ever underestimate Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ever, no matter what. Yeah. He, when he was with the Bucks, Deshaun Jackson had like 600 receiving yards in two games. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Obviously, that's an exaggeration, but they, they Ryan Fitzmagic, if you will. Fitzmagic indeed. Pick number two. Pick number three. I'm going to go to an old standby that does pretty well going out east, and I'm going to go to the Seattle Seahawks laying two and a half in Indy against the Colts because the Colts offseason, you talk about the Packers being dramatic, the Colts have had quite the year. They've had all sorts of COVID hijinks in the background. They lost T.Y. Hilton to an injury. They have all sorts of drama off the field. And the Seattle team coming in here, they're pretty healthy. They're only laying two and a half points. Russ and company do well flying out east. I think they'll take advantage of the Colts secondary, which is probably the weakest unit on the team. I think they're going to have a good game here. I'm only laying two and a half and you win by three. I can do that. Seahawks two and a half at the Colts pick three. I'd agree. I mean, I'm sorry, Pat McAfee, but the Colts are just... They're just not there yet. They're not healthy. They, I don't think Carson Wentz has, has pulled uh, a full rep together this yeah. entire preseason. And it's kind of hard to do that when you pay so much for a guy that really hasn't shown up yet. But that's not really his fault. He's been hurt and COVID. So it's a lot, you're right. It is a lot of drama. But what can you do? I agree. Seahawks are going to go over. All right, so reset the picks here. Charlie's going with the Browns, getting six and a half at, at Arrowhead against the Chiefs. The Cardinals getting three in Tennessee against the Titans. The Patriots laying two and a half at home against the Miami Dolphins. I am taking Joe D's Green Bay Packers, laying four and a half against the New Orleans Saints in Jacksonville. The Washington football team getting a point at home against the Los Angeles Chargers. And the Seattle Seahawks laying two and a half at Indy. And those are your picks for week number one on the podcast. And just for fun for the listeners, I'm going to do something different here as well. Week one starts the new year. And have you ever played the knockout pools? I have. Yes. I have. Um, It's never really gone well. Usually I make it three weeks. Yeah. That's my my cutoff. Yeah. I meant to do this last year. I forgot. So this year I'm bringing it back. We're going to give out my knockout pick every week on the podcast. And as long as I'm alive. So... This could be over next week. We, 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 we could be going to Thanksgiving. You don't know. This is, this is all the fun of this pool. That's so, fair. So this week, I am going with the San Francisco 49ers in Detroit against the Lions. That is the pick here. That's uh, a safe pick. Yeah. It's a very safe pick. So it's a good one to start off with. I don't think the Lions will win more than three games this year. No, I, I love that 49er team. I think that I love their chances in that game because Detroit is one of the two worst teams in the league. And like basically the strategy for me is like pick against them or the Texans as often as possible. The Texans are playing Jacks, which I can't do. So I got to go with the with 49ers here. Now, do you do, do you pick one team one week and you can't pick them the rest of the season? Well, that's the rules. All right. 
That's why I thought about your team for me. I don't think you guys are going to lose on opening night. I said, nah, I'm not going to be careful. With, I'm not, I'm not going to touch that one considering Dak can just, you know, get in a shootout and win. Yeah, but, I mean, they're my team. So I wouldn't bet on them to win in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Because they're my team. And I'm cursed. We're cursed because we're Mets fans. Yeah, well, you got a, you got at least <laughs> one ring out of it. I haven't gotten any. Uh, I have had, in my lifetime, I have had, out of all of my sports teams, five championships and four that I can remember. All, of, all, of all the teams I root for in all the sports, I have one title, and it was 21 years ago. Oh. <laughs> Who was that? The Michigan State Spartans college basketball team. Oh, I was talking about professional, but oh, I'm sorry, bud. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it makes you feel better, I've always rooted for Rutgers. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I mean, I had the Mets lose the World Series twice in my lifetime. Yep. I've had, I was too young to remember the Rangers winning the cup, so I can't even claim that one. Yeah, I do not claim the Devils 95 cup win. Yep. I do claim the, the 2000 and 2003. Yep. So technically, I've only seen four championships. The yeah. Devils have had two in my lifetime that I can remember, and the Buccaneers have two. The Nets, yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, you know, the Jets would not to mention what happens there. I'm sorry. Yeah. Still, I I apologize last year whenever we yeah. talked about the yeah. Jets. Yeah, it, it's just like a, a natural instinct whenever somebody says, "Yeah, I root for the Jets." It's like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like immediately after they say they're a Jets fan, no offense. Yeah, and I've seen the Knicks lose the '99 Finals. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, I believe the Nets went to two straight finals. They did. They lost the Lakers and the Spurs back to back years. Yeah. Uh, the was it this? Somebody lost three times in a row, or am I mistaken? In the NBA? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the Lakers. They won three in a row. Yeah, they got did. it. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so- I believe they beat. The 76ers, the Nets, and I forget who the third. Team Indiana. Was. Indiana. Yep. Reggie yeah. Miller. And the Pacers. Yep. Yeah. But on the bright side, you're also a net guy. So you, sh- you have a great shot to get one in the next couple of years. I, not to get too far into it. I, how do I put this lightly? I don't like the deal with the devil that they made. Yeah. But you made that's, this, how you gotta, that's how you got to win in the NBA these, these days. To be fair, your football team also made a deal with the devil and you won a Super Bowl out of it. Tom Brady. Tom Brady is not the devil. Bill Belichick is. Yeah. We we just brought the devil's son <laughs> over. <laughs> All right. Well, he's not my son, but next week on the podcast, doing the picks here for week number two and bringing the unofficial co-host of the podcast, Will Schneiderhand. Been a bit busy and not been able to get him on here, but he is coming on to do the picks. We're going to recap Zach Wilson's pro debut next week. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. I, I'm i interested to see on how he, how he works out. Yeah. As the last couple quarterbacks that – You've had, they start off good. They don't finish good. Nope. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Sam. I will say, though, I feel confident in this game for some reason because whenever they get these, the NFL likes to be cute, you know, is like to put these revenge games up there. Like when the Jets trade Reeves to Tampa Bay, oh, they're playing the Buccaneers week one. And then here we go, going to Sam Darrell week one. I feel like oh, this is going to get me started on that trade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then this one, I feel like this is a spot, you know, Sam Darrell's going to get Big interception in this game. Somehow the Jets will end up with it. The Jets will somehow win a nail biter. That's my prediction for week one. It's either going to be that or Sam Darnold th- throws six touchdowns and over 500 yards and sets a fantasy football record for most points in a game. Well, it's also possible to say the Jets secondary. You guys re- uh, released uh, Blisson Austin, correct? Yes. Our num- they, they tied the number one of the top corners on the team. They said, you know what? We're going to go with young guys. So I get the philosophy because this is a year where they're going, huh? Isn't he young, though? He's not as young as the guys they drafted. Blasson Austin's a Rutgers boy. You can't do that to a Rutgers boy in Jersey. Hey, I'm aware. Like, I don't understand it, but they <laughs> decided to go a d- different direction. Hey, we're, we're, uh, we're on this side for a reason. So Yes, we are. And it is what it is. Charlie, well, thank you for all the time today. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, I can be oh, follow- you, Mike. I can be follow social media on some of the stuff you're doing. I... Just on Twitter, I write for uh, Pucks and Pitchfork still um, on fan siding. It's all about the New Jersey Devils. Um, we've had an exciting offseason. I have a couple more pieces coming out soon. So uh, keep an eye on my Twitter, which is at Charlie Borges Jr., I believe. Um, 
keep an eye out on my Twitter, and there you go. Pretty much it. At that and we're keeping track of our of our Mets here, seeing what the seeing like how they're gonna tease us before they fly us down again. Yeah, I, I saw they're up three to two before we started recording. I don't know what the score is now. It is now three to three. I've been glancing back and forth here, so makes sense. Hey, Carlos Carrasco ran into trouble in the sixth. Aaron Loop had came with the bases loaded, guy out of it with allowing just the one run. Name something more dependable than Aaron Loop. You can't. I I can. <laughs> it's the Mets failing to get a hit with runner in scoring position. You see, you have to go negative. I was trying to be positive with the Mets, but you had to go negative. But I mean, I only. I'll give you. Can, I'll that's give... all you can do with this team. It's it's like, oh, you won two games against the Marlins. DUI for the general manager. It's it's just a one after the other after the other with this. We're cursed. I don't know why, but we're cursed. Yeah, it's that Wilpon juju. They have to like get them give up that last five percent. I think as soon as Luis Rojas and Sandy Alderson are gone, and all connections to the Wilpons are gone, that's when they can really start to move forward. And I believe I'm holding out hope that we will throw a line into the ocean that is Theo Epstein and a fish named Theo Epstein will catch on the line and we will reel him in just remember though all right thanks again sir i appreciate it <laughs> not a problem mike have a going, man the two-minute drill all right two-minute drill time and one of the big things lingering over this nfl season obviously is the deshaun watson situation and it feels like just a matter of time the texans end up moving him i mean we're talking here in cut down week and there have been rumors that Deshaun Watson could get moved to the Dolphins, to the Panthers, to the Broncos, to the Eagles. Basically, any team without a long-term solution at quarterback, Deshaun Watson isn't linked to him. The interesting one here is the Dolphins because they made a big deal last year about how we got Tua Tagovailoa. We love him out of Alabama. He was not what they hoped he would be in his first year, coming off a hip injury that was very serious in a COVID year where he had no offseason to work with. Ryan Fitzpatrick was there, and he was the clearly the better quarterback. They did a lot of work as obviously to try and play a two of Tagovailoa's strengths. They brought in playmakers to stretch the field, like a Will Fuller drafting Jalen Waddell. And they're potentially ready to give up on all that for Deshaun Watson. And the price tag here is steep. Houston is asking for three first-round picks, Two second-round picks, at least, to get Deshaun Watson. And I get, if this was, you know, just Deshaun's holding out, he doesn't want to play for them anymore, he has nothing going on except he's just disgruntled, do it. Go get the guy. But giving up five premium assets for a guy facing 22 sexual assault allegations I don't know, man. It makes zero sense. And obviously, the Dolphins are a frustrated franchise that has been searching for a quarterback for a long time. Since Dan Riemann retired, they've been trying to find the answer at that position. Whether it's Dante Culpepper, or it's Chad Pennington for a little bit, Ryan Tannehill. Now it's Tyler Bailoa. It seems odd, though, to give up on him after just one season because that's a first-round pick you have burned. It makes essentially four ones you're trading. You're giving out Tyler Bailoa. And the three future ones to get to Sean Watson, who may not even play this season. Because from what we've seen in the training camp, the Texans, they basically send to the side and say, you are not playing for us right now. This legal situation is a mess. We're going to run with either Tyrod Taylor or the rookie Davis Mills. We're not doing this. It feels odd that I get how talented he is. I get how great he can be, but the Texans weren't exactly doing a ton with him. They got to the second round of the playoffs a couple of times. The potential you could have here to fracture your locker room, which I think is massive because guys know what kind of stuff can happen here. If you are basically taking out a guy who may not be able to play for you this year or next year, depending on how well this legal situation plays out, things go well or well in that room? Things could go over well to say, okay, guys, 
We can't use Tua anymore. We're going to play Jacoby Brissett to hold the fort and basically tank our chance of going to the playoffs until we can get the shot on the field. I don't think it's smart yet. It's also not a great idea for even team like the Carolina, Denver, Philadelphia, you name it. That's a lot to throw on a guy who you might not ever see. I think, again, this is something just no joke anymore. This is not early 2000s when Ben Roethlisberger is basically sailing off the, off, out of court with someone after an incident off the field involving sexual assault and he gets back on the field in Pittsburgh after suspension. This is 22 separate incidents. It's take a long time to wind through all of them. Is it worth the risk? I don't know. I really don't think it is. But the Dolphins, if they do this, they are making a massive thing on a guy who might not get on the field for him. That's a big risk. And that's the show for this week. I want to thank our guest today, Shio Kapadia, coming on to preview the NFL season. Charlie Borges doing our week one NFL picks. All that good stuff. A lot more stuff like this podcast, including our U.S. Open week one headlines. Again, fun tournament so far. Get you caught up on all that. Check out the blog over at justonthesuffering.wordpress.com. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just and the Suffering, your favorite podcast platform. You can find all episodes there. Feel free for your feedback and star as well. Help make the podcast even better going forward. Check out the YouTube page, Mike Phelps on YouTube. My individual conversations with Shield and Charlie are up on the YouTube page as well. They will be up there every week. You can also follow my on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-3-3-1. And that's it, guys. We have made it back to the start of the NFL season. It's hard to believe, but we finally got here. We are back. Football is here. Finally getting ready to enjoy the games. Coming up next week on the show, we're going to do our annual week one recap with Joe Dalby to the Sharp Terror Podcast. Week two NFL picks and more. Until then, enjoy the games, everybody. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.